0: it's september 28th 2022 and we're having an existential crisis what exactly is unfuck the poor the name should say it all but we discuss all sorts of current events that may or may not have to do with poor people make no mistake our anarchist leaning book on anti-economics unfuck the poor was indeed all about the history of capitalism fucking us over that's right us the world's working class, from the shrinking middle class to the eternal struggle to stay afloat for moderate and low-income people and their families. It's a topic that transcends race, sexual orientation, and gender, but it's also a topic that, at its core, encompasses literally every aspect of our daily lives, how and where we live, who we know, what jobs we work, and the structures that keep us struggling to gain financial and social independence while a select few billionaires and millionaires profit from our labor. Still, more than anything, I consider this a culture and society podcast, and today's episode is special because we're exploring social predators, personalities who exploit vulnerable people, the poor, the lonely, the young and dispossessed, for money, money and fame and notoriety and the establishment of a brand. If you're a millennial, you came of age when the internet transitioned from a magical place where we were all connected like some sort of digital commune to the horrifying landscape of clickbait, likes, and the personal brand of today. How to make money from being you. Many listeners will probably be all too familiar with the branding of the self because you tried. You tried to develop your niche and build a brand around that to make you the product stand out to others. From side hustles to the gig economy, capitalism exploited everyone trying to make a brand. We could hitch our economic dreams to establish brands and become something of an ambassador. That, of course, was not to last. From Uber to Uber Eats and then Instacart, we no longer had to hassle with creating a niche and instead filled a new role in the consumer market. Instant gratification for people who want a thing now. And for those who never stopped trying to build a brand, for those who still believe the self-brand is something worthwhile, worth pursuing, You may wind up in one of two camps. Maybe you succeed. You become an influencer, your brand resonates with others, and because of that, money flows your way. Or the alternative, your brand falls flat, but you don't give up on the dream. The solution, sadly, lies in the expertise of those who tell us they made it. We trust influencers because they show up on our screens telling us we can be like them. They've discovered secrets to success. They've figured out the life hacks to bring fame, influence, and, most importantly, money. When you don't have money, you tend to listen to people who do have money. This is the lure of capitalism in general. We interpret the world through a catalog of things. Things we want, things we have, things others have, and things we'd like to have. Just like capital economies are built on the faulty premise of forever growth, Our consumer needs and wants can never be satisfied. And for those who can sell a dream, there are plenty of people who will buy it, and there is no reason not to exploit it. Hopefully, you know what a multi-level marketing or pyramid scheme is. I've certainly tried to explain it at length to my daughter so she never gets wrapped up in one. But pyramid schemes are very simple to explain. Imagine a pyramid or a triangle that is pointy at the top and flat on the bottom. In a multi-level marketing scheme, the person at the top makes all the money. How they make that money is by appointing people lower on the pyramid to sell their product for them. It can be any product at all, from herbal supplements to essential oils, to makeup and insurance and even life coaching systems. The dream of MLM or multi-level marketing schemes is that you control your sales. You control how much or how little you work that the product practically sells itself, and that you'll be raking in thousands of dollars a month. That sounds awesome. But to sell the product, you have to buy the product. You're encouraged to buy the product. You're encouraged to buy in bulk to get a discounted rate so you can make more money. You're encouraged to sell to friends. You're encouraged to sell at work. You're encouraged to have parties at your house and give presentations and have everyone whip out their credit cards or checkbooks and make a purchase right then and there. But if you're the salesperson, guess where you are? You're at the very bottom of the pyramid. When you buy thousands of dollars of product at a discount so you can sell it to friends, you will, without fail, wind up stuck with thousands of dollars of product that you can't sell. The person who recruited you, they're selling product in bulk to you. Their job is to find distributors. And the people who recruited them, their job is to find distributors. It works like this. At the top of the pyramid, let's say it's us, unfuck the poor, we need to find five distributors for the product. And those next five distributors need to find five apiece, then the next five and so on. The person at the top of a successful multi-level marketing scheme has thousands of distributors of a crappy product below them, all trying their hardest to find more distributors and move product. So let's name names, let's not be vague. Herbalife, doTERRA, Mary Kay, Amway, Avon, Tupperware, LuLaRoe are all names you may have heard before. They're all multi-level marketing schemes. One name you might not have heard of before, at least not in the context of multi-level marketing, is Andrew Tate.
1: Women in the West have this idea that that you should be liked for something more than how you look. Mm. You know, oh, now I have to be liked for what I think and this and this and this. And the reality is, sorry, feminists, sorry. We don't give a fuck.
0: I'll be the first to admit, I didn't know who Andrew Tate was until about two months ago when a user on the Ask Reddit sub asked what social media influencers should disappear forever. And the response, overwhelmingly, was Andrew Tate. You might know who Andrew Tate is because, you know, you're cooler than I am. Just a month ago, in August of 2022, his online presence took a huge beating. He's been banned from Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. Tate has been described by others as a misogynist, a homophobe, and a sexist. He's also accused of rape and human trafficking, and is under investigation in Romania for those alleged crimes. Tate is a character, an exaggeration of what young men think an alpha male is, but Tate is nothing more than a foam-headed mascot masquerading as a life coach. In long-winded interviews over the last three to four years, interviews that last anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours, Tate assures us that he is real, and if we don't like him, we can go fuck ourselves.
1: It's not something I put on, it's not something I fake. People think I'm playing a character. It's like, no, this is who I am, this is what I do. Bam, if you don't like it, don't follow me.
0: When faced with real-life accountability, that foam head comes off. Once banned from every relevant social media site, Tate released a statement to the British publication Mirror Fighting. Quote, It is very unfortunate that old videos of me where I was playing a comedic character have been taken out of context and amplified to the point where people believe absolutely false narratives about me, end quote. If people have come to believe false narratives about Andrew Tate, it is because Andrew Tate has created and perpetuated them.
1: It's not something I put on. It's not something I fake. People Death. think I'm playing a character. It's like, Death. no.
0: For this episode, Unfuck the Poor has listened to hours and hours of Tate's ramblings. If there is some other context in which to understand Tate, they are hidden deep on the internet. The worst of my opinions about him are from the things he said in context to other humans. So, even though the odds are low, the consequences are big. And I'll tell you why the
1: consequences are big of a female driving your car. Because females have no innate responsibility or honor. So, if a bitch dr- crashes your car, if your boy, you give your boy a car, right? He crashes it. Bro, I fucked up. I'm going to pay this off. I'm going to get to work. I'll get another job. Man, I'm sorry. Da 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 da. Bitch crashes your car. Well, it wasn't even my fault. That guy came out of nowhere. I didn't even know. I didn't even know. And you have loads of money and you have loads of cars. Just buy a new one and I can't afford it. And then if you get too (laughs) tough to her, look, you better fucking pay. She's just going to block you and fuck some other guy. That's all that's going to happen. Some
0: shit like that. Yeah, he's pretty right. Okay, he's right on that. Tate seemingly leaves his interviewers in awe. They would never be bold enough to say any of the things that Tate says. But what's crazier, they agree or they had never thought about it that way, but it makes total sense. Tate's brand is his status as, in his words, a high-value person, specifically a high-value man whose worth is based on his true understanding of human nature and how to exploit it. It is the get-rich-quick scheme of self-help coaching. While men may be entertained by his musings on women, relationships, adultery, and self-improvement, his younger audience is being both entertained and educated, or to use one of Tate's favorite words, they're being imprinted upon.
1: A 19-year-old is more attractive than a 26-year-old woman, and I'll tell you why. Because that 26-year-old has talked to more guys, been to the club more times, been more places, been fucked and dumped more times, more arguments, more heartbreak, more bullshit, more mess for me to clean up. Whereas a 19-year-old might have had one guy from high school just broke up, she's fresh, and I can fucking put my imprint on her and make her a good person.
0: And make no mistake, Tate's youngest audience, middle and high schoolers, find him both entertaining and informative. It's kind of a problem. So much so that the Instagram group, The Unteachables, which focuses on, quote, empowering and supporting teachers to create lasting change in their classrooms and the lives of their students, end quote, put together a guide for teachers this past August on how to deal with students who sling Tate wisdom. The guide's introduction to Tate is quick and to the point, and it's better than I could do, quote, through his platform, he has expressed views such as rape victims should bear some responsibility. Women are the property of men. Young girls are more favorable because they are easy to imprint on and have been through less dick. That women need to be handled violently in the bedroom, vividly describing them being choked, grabbed, and being told to shut up. End quote. Tate sells his listeners and viewers on their untapped potential, potential he knows exists because he found it himself. Tate's story, the biracial son of a single mother, a successful but poor kickboxer who was raised in public housing, is a story of hustle. Tate's background makes his success statistically unlikely, which is why he boasts of his success and shares his wisdom with the world. Tate's commentary on the working poor is exceptionally poignant, and I do get the sense that at his core, Tate really does believe he woke up from the Matrix and discovered the secret to success and wealth. Unfortunately for those who identify with Tate's humble background, the secret to success lies in the exploitation of those who desperately want to escape poverty, who want a feeling of power and control in their lives. It's an attractive sales pitch. Look where I came from and look at me now. You can do it too. And there's a catch. If you want to be successful, you have to hustle. And hustlers do whatever it takes to make money even if that means taking money from people who don't have much to spare. So, of course, there's Hustlers University, Andrew Tate's online multi-level marketing scheme that lives on a Discord server. Andrew Tate is a millionaire. I think it's safe to say that for all his bluster, the man actually makes money. And because the internet is a playground littered with money, The Discord server spits you into all sorts of online money-making schemes, dropshipping, cryptocurrency, copywriting, and freelancing, Amazon FBA, stock trading, e-commerce, affiliate marketing. If you've ever doom-scrolled at 3am wondering how you were going to stop being poor and start living large, odds are you know what all of these things are. And man, Andrew Tate knows this. Hustlers University is supposed to be different. The be-all, end-all of making a million dollars online because you have courses and guides and instructors dedicated to putting you on the path to financial success. Let's at least say that Tate's business model makes sense. For a low monthly fee, you can subscribe to a server that does indeed provide information about making money online. Tate is selling the dream that he had for himself. He wondered, how can I make money online, and figuring out that all of those online schemes that he advocates for Realizing that all of those are oversaturated with people who want it just as bad as he does, he had to, in fact, break out of the matrix, which he did. So bear with me. Andrew Tate doesn't make money from dropshipping. He doesn't make money with Amazon FBA. Maybe he invests in the stock market, but that's not the source of his wealth. Andrew Tate and Hustlers University makes money off you, the subscriber. But Andrew Tate did something that would make a Russian troll farm envious. Andrew Tate monetized his own name and started paying his subscribers in affiliate cash to post, spam, repost, and create thousands upon thousands of fake accounts to post, scam, and repost in order to drive traffic to Hustlers University. 48% commission on every new subscriber account, but just on the first month of the subscription. Tate's business model relies solely on hooking new subscribers every single day. What's wild is that of all the schemes Tate advertises, his own multi-level marketing campaign is quite possibly the most lucrative for subscribers. While nearly every social media company banned Andrew Tate, they could not ban the thousands upon thousands of affiliate accounts that continue to spread the Tate gospel. We'll come back to Tate's business acumen in a moment, but first, what kind of person is spamming the internet with Tate affiliate links? And why would they do so relentlessly in spite of rape and human trafficking allegations? The answer? The hustle. Andrew Tate isn't simply popular with young men and children. He represents, to an entire subset of modern males, the ethos of the true self-made man. Confident and brash, whatever Tate says or does, even when he contradicts himself, comes across as an authoritative lesson on how to get what you want, along with the justification of why you deserve it. Or even why you don't deserve it. If your subscription to Hustlers University doesn't make you rich, it's because you failed in applying those lessons. It's because you let your hustle fail. For only $49 a month, Tate provides all the tools any hustler would ever need to achieve God mode. It's enticing, to say the least. And if Hustlers University's numbers are to be believed, 168,000 subscribers and counting, Tate himself is hustling over $8 million a month. Like any multi-level marketing scheme, remember that the wealth of the person on top is generated by those hustling at the bottom. It isn't as simple as telling young men and boys that their failure is their own fault. After all, anyone who's spent any time in therapy will tell you that your problems are yours alone and only you can experience them and navigate them and become a better person for having done so. Tate's brand of life coaching, the persona he's curated for the fickleness of internet likes, is designed as a zero-sum endeavor. Tate believes in, or at least he sells, a self-worth that can either gain or lose like the stock market. Tate, or Top G as he calls himself, says that those who come out on top, those who have, those who hustle, those who know their worth and act according to their worth, those are high value people. But it's a boys club. Tate sells the aesthetic of the high value man. A man who can dress well, a man who has muscles, a man who smokes cigars, drinks heavily, travels, parties, surrounds himself with women, a man who has a vague sort of religious expression.
2: Do you have time for God? Absolutely. That's good. Do you get up early on the Sunday? Completely. That's good. Every
1: single Sunday. Of course. That's
2: amazing. And I
1: think that being religious is a beautiful thing. And I think that a lot of people try and say they're spiritual or they're religious in a way. Copping out on the one hour a week, it just feels a bit lazy to me. I think you can always find an hour a
2: week. Yeah. No, you definitely could. But...
1: So maybe God sent me here to make you go to church.
2: Maybe. Maybe you're here to enlighten me. Maybe that's
1: why. Yeah. God wants the, the men, the masculine males of earth, to reproduce, create his warriors. God needs warriors. What parable is that in? It's Tate,
0: Tate, Tate 15. Okay, I'll search it up. Tate often makes the sign of the cross and says he's a godly man, but that's not all. For Tate, there are two traits that make a true high value man. The capacity to do violence and the ability to say no. The easiest way to be a high value man is a man who's capable of violence. If we look at it from a biologically
1: trigger, it doesn't matter if he's got muscles or he's big or he's tall, whatever. Women understand from a biological perspective, they like a man who can fight. And I think the the true value of a high, the true marker of a high, high value man is a man who could say no to pussy.
0: Admittedly, even after listening to Tate explain why violence and turning down sex are the pinnacle of male evolution, I don't understand Tate's logic because it doesn't make any sense. It's all non sequiturs. Tate's version of masculinity is wrought with suggestions of insecurity and overcompensation, and the aesthetic he creates for himself occasionally slips away, and it reveals a man who, in spite of his money and the lifestyle it brings, isn't actually at home in the world he's made for himself. I don't
1: like to answer open-ended questions because I feel like they're a trap. Why? Because when you speak a lot, it's how you end up getting trapped, right? It doesn't matter if it's a police interview or anything else, the more you talk, The worse. So I want you to be very, very specific with your parameters within the questioning because that allows me to answer them in a way which makes me look the best.
2: I don't know, I feel like a a very confident man that was very sure of himself would just answer.
1: Men are liars because men are in constant competition with other men and they have to find a way to be competitive and the easiest way to be competitive is to lie. The most important actions a woman can undertake is loyalty. Every man out here knows that disloyalty is the most disgusting thing a female could ever do to her man.
2: But are you loyal?
1: Let's not pretend that male loyalty and female loyalty are the same thing. But loyalty is loyalty. No, they're not the same thing, are they? Why is it not? Because men and women are not the same.
2: We are not the same. You are correct there. Okay, so we agree. No, but I'm not agreeing to people being dishonest, cheaters, liars. He's deluded.
0: This is my impression of a man I've never met, whose public persona I find grating. But watching him in interviews, he seems deeply uncomfortable around women. Uncomfortable, perhaps, with himself. Nearly every interview features Tate wearing gold-rimmed rectangular sunglasses with a fading tint. He occasionally twitches his leg nervously or draws up his shoulders tightly. He self-soothes with his arms crossed. And his half-baked evolutionary theory of men and women, as much as he preaches masculinity, just as often as not, his words sound like a daily affirmation of the man he wants to be. But let's move on. I'm not a psychoanalyst. Tate's philosophy, though he insists it isn't philosophy but biological and historical fact, rings true to men and boys in search of a role model. Who are these boys? Okay, so let's talk about family. In 1960, in the United States, 73% of all children lived in a home with two first-time married parents. By 1980, that number had dropped to 61% and by 2015, that number had dropped to 46%. These numbers come from a 2015 Pew Research study that concluded there is no longer a dominant family form in the United States. But these numbers can be a bit misleading. These are numbers for couples still married for the first time with at least one child. The number of children living in homes with two parents at any stage of marriage or remarriage or cohabitation is actually on the upswing at just over 70% a 17-point difference from its high in 1950, while the percentage of children being raised by a single parent has nearly tripled since 1960 at 25.5%. Melanie Wasserman, whose article, The Disparate Effects of Family Structure, which appeared in the spring 2020 issue of Princeton's The Future of Children, concludes, quote, Children who grow up in households without two biological married parents experience more behavioral issues, attain less education, and have lower incomes in adulthood. While I have no data on Andrew Tate's subscriber base, I can at least say that Tate's target audience is male. And with billions, that's billions with a B, billions of views on social media, and using the unteachable's Instagram how-to guide as anecdotal evidence, I think I can easily say that enough of his audience is poorly guided school-aged boys who are looking to the internet for a role model. Tate doesn't just fill a void, though. Tate gouges the void into a chasm and fills it with his ego while luring his audience in. Why exactly does that appeal to so many boys and young men? The answer is fascism? Umberto Eco, the Italian philosopher and novelist who passed away in 2015, wrote a brief and brilliant collection of essays, How to Spot a Fascist, That drew heavily upon his reflections of life in fascist italy the elements of fascism outlined by echo share similarities with cult behavior and if you haven't guessed where i'm going by now then i'll just say it andrew tate's whole persona is that of a fascist cult leader uh okay let me explain i don't mean that tate is building up an army of brown shirts with the intent of overthrowing the government fascism is a fuzzy funny sort of concept in modern context Fascism is best understood as a far-right authoritarian political ideology, but fascism originates from the Italian fascismo or fascio, which translates to group or club. Last century, in 1919, future prime minister of Italy Benito Mussolini founded Fasci Italiani di Combattimento, or Italian Fight Club. Like any grassroots organization, Italian Fight Club was a mess at first with no real beliefs, but eventually it settled into a routine of set beliefs and activities, political violence and social oppression. Andrew Tate is not Mussolini. He's not even close. But the spirit of Italian Fight Club, Fasci Italiani di Combattimento, is alive and well in Tate's appeal to younger viewers and listeners. The appeal of fascism to the everyday person is in its original name. It is a club, a group of people who are invariably like-minded. A club requires duality and leadership, the in-group and the out-group. Admission to the Andrew Tate club is free and open and without fanfare. You either like what he has to say or you don't. You either like him or you can go fuck yourself. But according to Tate, If you don't like what he has to say, you can fuck off because you're not welcome in the club. Tate only has time for other high-value people, and if you disagree, you're inherently low-value. Like Italian fascists, Tate has built his philosophy on both the cult of tradition and the rejection of modernism. Tate repeatedly cites historical precedent for why men cheat. It's just how men are. It's how they've always been. Every king, sultan, president, whatever, has had mistresses.
1: Every single man since the dawn of human time had more than one woman. Every single king, every single emperor, every single sultan, every single conqueror since the dawn of human time had more than one woman. All of them. Every single one. Read a history book. Read the Bible. It's all in there. The Quran. All of it. You want to talk about tradition. It's all there.
0: He believes in traditional gender roles. Women belong at home to wait on their man they should clean. Trans people. His words.
2: Yeah, but society, we can change. Like, the world evolves. Things change. The
0: world
1: evolves. Yeah, that's right. Now, now, now men cut their dicks off and their chicks. Do you believe in this shit?
0: The modern world has opened itself to the reality of gender fluidity, and because this contradicts with Tate's worldview, he rejects it outright. But it isn't one history that Tate adheres to. He isn't repackaging the values of English feudalism or Chinese dynastic rule or even the Roman Empire. Rather, Tate smashes them all together to form what he calls a universal truth. Man, and specifically modern men, exist in a world that has bypassed and attempts to overshadow traditional masculinity, a masculinity that has been the same across cultures since the dawn of humankind
1: my question is this okay so if 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 the feminist imperative is is correct and that this whole patriarchy idea isn't something that's evolutionary and natural and Mm -hmm. it's something that we've instilled Mm -hmm. how come it happened in every single society across the earth since the dawn of human time imagine the coincidence for the aztecs and the ming dynasty on opposite sides of the world from brazil to china were the men to be in charge imagine the coincidence that the in every society the eskimos in fucking sub-saharan africa who never met Yep. Never spoke that just by coincidence, a 50-50 coin flip in every single society in history ever, yeah. men were in charge. Yeah, it's a very natural thing. It's, yeah. the, it's the way it's supposed to be. It's common the, sense, the, the, in math, opinion. the math doesn't add up any other way. Yeah, 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 so yeah. it's like men have evolved to lead. Men should be in charge. This is how it is. And it's, it's just a new age think experiment that's trying to convince people that's not the case. Yeah. And it's garbage. Yeah. And, and, and I don't see society going anywhere better for it's it. It's dangerous garbage. Yeah. Get us all killed, man. Fuck that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Men are violent hunters who can reproduce at any age. They have always chosen multiple partners. They have always gone their own way. They have always been strong and sought power. And at the upper echelons of manliness, they have been ruthless in their pursuit of everything. Attila the Hun, Genghis Khan, Henry VIII. And where the average man couldn't be king, emperor or ruler, the average man could be violent. Soldiers, pirates, bandits, assassins, police. This mashup, this vague notion that men are men and have always been men, it's about cherry picking examples, as vaguely as possible, to build up this culture of the proudly toxic man. And that's what Tate sells a syncretic culture of evolutionary absolutism. Why does Andrew Tate exist? Well, how could he not exist? The bloodline of manliness from prehistory to today is refined with every generation of the top dog eating all the other dogs on the way up until finally it gave us Andrew Tate.
1: Every single man at the top echelon of life is a calculated man. You don't get there by accident.
2: Okay, so do you want to get to the top.
1: I'm already at the top echelon of man. And when you're at the top echelon of man, it's a very, very calculated process. You don't get there by accident. Nothing good in life happens on accident.
0: Tate is the culmination of man's evolution. And you know what? He can show you. How to Unlock Your Raw Evolutionary Self too? Umberto Eco specifically uses the word syncretism, a mashup of different ideas, religions, cultures, philosophies, into one not-really-coherent belief system, but definitely not the original. This contradicts with the obsession with tradition while simultaneously lining up with it. Tate can indeed pick which parts of the historical record align with his beliefs, and because it's his philosophy, He can reject the parts of history that disagree in order to protect the house of cards that is top g's personality there can be no criticism tate also understands that his viewers listeners followers and subscribers are frustrated they're poor lonely stuck in ruts aimless how does he know this because tate is selling himself to himself The talking head mascot is speaking to the man in the mirror and because Tate understands what it's like to feel weak and powerless, to be poor and overlooked, he knows what drives others who feel the same way, women and money. The desire to be desired or the ability to buy desirability. There is no reason to be attractive if you have enough money. You just have to work a bit harder than a man who's attractive. What drives its insecurity is fear. And in this sense, Andrew Tate gets things 100% correct. Imagine being a typical heterosexual male in middle or high school where inclusivity and diversity are part of the daily routine. What if you yourself are not diverse? What if you are neurotypical, binary, and yet at the same time your sex makes up the mysterious patriarchy that seems to rule the world? You are not special, and yet you are part of the main problem. Mind you, I'm not saying that this view is correct, but Tate understands that a lot of men feel this way. Tate, in fact, hits it right on the nose. This is how some boys interpret the world around them, and this is how Tate interprets the world. Tate and his disciples must see the world as vicious, somewhat conspiratorial and out to get them, where you're locked in a battle for relevance, attention, and even love. It inspires the image of the inner warrior, the natural part of man inclined to violence. But the world isn't so giant and vicious that it can crush you. The world is at once strong and weak, strong enough to disempower us, but weak enough to be conquered or overcome. There, again, is a contradictory belief. The world is out to get us, but real men conquer. If you don't, you aren't a real man. We have an exploitation of social frustration, average men and boys who feel utterly average or overlooked in society, a framework of jumbled history and traditions that make up the belief structure of the new masculine culture, an evolutionary justification for both violence and promiscuity and scorn for the poor and weak, and we have the path towards our better selves, the hustle. The hustle itself is a key tenet of fascism, the masculine club. It is the life for struggle, that is. Life has little meaning unless you're constantly one-upping yourself and your competitors. What you're fighting for is a position at the top. You're after the ultimate win. But that would mean the hustle is over, which means you've given up, which means you lose. It's contradictory and circular. It's meant to be. In the words of Umberto Eco, quote, in every mythology, the hero is an exceptional being, but in fascist ideology, heroism is the norm. In Tate's ideology, the way has been paved for you to be the hero too. And if you don't make it, that's on you. But you might be thinking, it's all fun and games. It's just a character. Andrew Tate is outrageous and hilarious, but he's not always wrong. And he's playing this character to make money, which is what the character is all about. It's a brilliant game of chess or kabuki theater or something. Well, sure. Okay, let's say that this elaborate ploy by Andrew Tate is carefully crafted to drive money to Hustlers University, which we've already established makes Tate millions of dollars a month. To date, the only time that Andrew Tate has said he was playing a comedy character was about a month ago in response to being banned from social media. Until then, Tate insisted that he says what he means and means what he says. We also can't ignore Tate's original money-making scheme, hiring models to pretend to be in relationships with men online who would in turn send them money for their sob stories. It's a scheme that Tate and his brother Tristan proudly called a scam. As in, they were proud of scamming lonely men out of money. How did they get away with it? On their website, there was a little bit of fine print that clarified that the women were for entertainment only. That's it. We don't know about this scam website because of some great investigative reporting that came about several years later. The Tate brothers bragged about the entire operation. They were so giddy with themselves for exploiting lonely men that they bragged about it and then bragged about getting away with it.
1: The webcam company I was running proved that perfectly. The women who were on stream were beautiful, but they didn't have a fucking clue what to say. They were saying all the wrong shit, man. Every day they were saying the wrong shit and we were losing customers everything I was telling you earlier about wanting to be innocent. They're saying, oh, love, I've been here, I've been there. I'm like, shut the fuck up. You're talking to some dude. He doesn't want to hear who you've been. He knows, you can't be a, ha- you can't be a 10 talking about the, how you've been to Dubai with, to, to some fucking dude in Minnesota who's fat. He ain't gonna ever believe that he's gonna get you that way. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta lie to him. You gotta lie to him. She's like, lie and say what? Say that you've never been anywhere because you don't trust men. You can't find a man who's serious. Make him think that if he's serious about you, that nothing else matters. Wow, you gotta put a famoose on it. So I'm trying to teach these women and the women kept fucking it up. So I said to, said to them, it's like, you know what, fuck it. I'm taking over. So what I did is I unplugged their keyboards and plugged a new one in from me behind the screen. So the chicks would sit there and hit a keyboard that wasn't plugged in. And me and my brother, and eventually some staff I trained, would do all the talking. The girls were just pure, just famoosers, just laughing and doing this. The titties out. And they were talking to fucking ice cold hustlers. We were taking their money, all of it. They, they'd come and say, <laughs> well, what kind of, all of it. We are fucking milking them dry. Women haven't got a clue how to famous a dude. They don't have, it, cause they rely on their looks. They don't have any of the intellect. They have no game, nothing. They're something though.
0: They're some. nothing. Nah,
1: you get, you, get a man, you get a man with game and give him a female's body, a female avatar, He will fuck a guy up. I had these guys selling their houses, life savings, loans, all of it to me. Give me it all. So like, and it's, it's basic shit, right? You'd have Did a you guy- you feel bad or no? Fuck no. To give a solitary fuck.
0: I, for one- Assume that Hustlers University is the same type of scam, a business model built on exploiting the insecurities of men and boys who look at Andrew Tate as some kind of role model or leader. Men and boys who, if they wound up at Hustlers University, most likely identify deeply with the dream that Tate is selling. Just remember that for those billions of views Tate has racked up, he has less than 200,000 subscribers to Hustlers University. That's a conversion rate of less than one-tenth of a percent. It's still a shitload of money, and his power is in his massive online presence thanks entirely to his specific marketing tool, the affiliate program where distributors create content based on Tate's seemingly ubiquitous online presence to drive traffic to Hustlers University. Now, I want you to consider this. For content consumers who don't sign up for Hustlers University, for those who get sucked down rabbit holes that feed endless loops of Tate's interviews and one-on-one affirmations, rabbit holes that go deeper and deeper based on algorithms of what you might like because you watched Andrew Tate's videos, the real problem of Andrew Tate's sudden and persistent presence is the actual content of his videos and those suggested to his fans. It shouldn't come as a surprise to any listener who was ever 11 years old or any listener who has kids who have just started middle school that young viewers simply don't possess the emotional maturity, life experience, or ability in general to parse nuance and identify ironic humor as easily as, say, people like me, someone close to Andrew Tate in age with, admittedly, a familiarity with the trollish humor that oozes out of Tate's mouth. When Andrew Tate says something like, I would only do CPR on a hot girl, you can't help but laugh. If Andrew Tate was doing an impression of an alpha male, if Tate was trolling those in the manosphere whose sexism would result in the death of a close but overweight friend, then goddammit he gets the prize for best deadpan delivery, gold star for that guy. But it's that same deadpan, Oscar-worthy performance that delivers lines such as, females cheating is more disgusting than men, It's the same character who says that 18- and 19-year-olds are preferable to women his own age because they are innocent and haven't seen the world. It's that same character who, in his apparent confidence, reveals deep insecurities about what he can deliver to the opposite sex. If being a partner, whether significant or casual, is only worthwhile to Tate if he is the first man who can give a woman nearly any and all life experience— It's worth considering that perhaps Tate simply doesn't have a personality that could sustain an experienced woman's interests. Consider also what he's saying here. Tate prefers women half his age, women who are uneducated, naive, who have yet to achieve independence. Tate doesn't see himself as a provider. He sees himself as a savior and dominator at once. We return to Umberto Eco, quote, Since both permanent war and heroism are difficult games to play, the fascist turns his will to power onto sexual questions. This is the origin of machismo, which implies contempt for women and an intolerant condemnation of nonconformist sexual habits. Since sex is also a difficult game to play, the fascist hero plays with weapons, which are his ersatz penis. His war games are due to a permanent state of penis envy, end quote. Andrew Tate is at war with the world that produced him, the one that kept him poor in his youth and made him rich as an adult. Those who already know the world, those who know his level of wealth and the experiences it brings, are despicable to Tate because he came to them late. Because he couldn't have them first, he becomes the gatekeeper to these experiences for those he wants to dominate sexually. This is not the message most people hear when they listen to Andrew Tate. What they hear is
1: um yeah i'm gonna be having probably about eight or nine kids with about four or five different chicks oh great yeah, yeah. Th- th- that's
0: what i'm gonna do um, go big or go home man.
1: yeah and i because I, I don't see why not mm. and i really once again is gonna piss off the feminists i'll piss you all off women are the oven so they're gonna create my children but i'm the man and, yeah and i'm gonna i'm gonna mold them in the way to be the way i need them to be mm. i although you need a good mother who's dutiful and caring you need a mother to provide them with their basic nutritional needs they're Emotion, their emotional development, and who they are as people—I really believe is down to the father. I really believe that. I think the woman keeps them fed and clothed, Mm. but when shit really goes down, it's their dad's advice. Yeah, you know that's what I believe. The wisdom, the philosophy. The wisdom, the philosophy, all those things. So I know the kids are going to be fantastic no matter who the mother is. Yeah, I can go pick up a girl today and have kids with today. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to be fantastic anyway because I'm Andrew Tate. So because I'm living in Eastern Europe, I don't have to worry about it. No one's going to take me to court. No one's going to destroy me with The laws here are a lot less crazy for that kind of stuff. You know, completely less crazy. And yeah. also because I'm, I'm a foreign national, it's even easier. So I can't lose from a financial perspective. No one can put me in jail. You know, I'm going to give the mother the money she needs. If she gets too fresh, she can go hungry for a week and she'll know to be nicer to me. And everything's going to be fine. So that's the reason I'm going to do what I do, and I'm going to have a legacy from it. And I don't see there's any reason not to. That that's absolutely one hundred percent my plan. And when people sit and say to me, "Oh, that's going to make you a bad father," I disagree. Fathers have always been away from their kids. They were at sea. Yeah. They were in the Navy, they were at war, they were in the mines, they were at work t- 20 hours a day. Kids, fathers have always been away from the kids. Yeah. They've always been temporary Building to civilization, Building bringing civilization, home, bringing bread. the money home. They've yeah. always been temporary. Yep. So I don't have to go to work because I've got other ways to make money. So fine, I'm going to fuck some other girls, but I'll be back in a couple days. <laughs> it's the same thing. That's like almost your job anyway though. Well, Basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah. to keep the cam girls running. So. You know, that, that, that's going to be my plan. And, 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 you know, people can sit there and go, oh, yeah, that's bad, whatever, whatever. When I'm 60, 70, and I have eight or nine kids, and they're all going to love me, and we're all going to get along fine, they're all going to be realistic about the fact that there's a whole bunch of mothers. And when the sons grow up, they're going to understand why. You know, it's worth mentioning, uh, you know, Donald Trump, someone we're both a huge fan of, he has uh, children from three different women.
0: Absolutely. He has Melania, uh, and they have Ivanka, and then the other one, too, you know, yep. Tiffany, all that. Yep. so. It's, yeah. it's,
1: it's, man, look at history. Name a powerful alpha from history who didn't have more than one wife.
2: Why are you wearing glasses? Sunglasses. Yeah, we're inside.
1: We are inside. Very perspicacious of you. I have bad eyes. You have bad eyes. I have bad eyes because after so many fights in the ring, I had a retina detachment and there's a lot of bright lights here and it makes my eyes very uncomfortable. I don't want to squint on camera. So, I'm wearing sunglasses. So, if you want to continue to make fun of my medical condition, why would I make fun of it? You just tried. I know you just tried. No, no, it's fine. No, no, it's fine.
2: No, it, wasn't. it was a genuine question. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I just tried to make mock no. me. It's
1: fine. Versus men, mental health, but if you've got retinal detachment, it's fine. No, no. Ha ha ha. Actually, it's I funny was, now.
2: I was, actually, I was asking you because eye contact is important to gauge conversation. Is it? I you wanna, wanna do you want to look, look in my eyes? Know. Like how we're enjoying it. Yeah.
1: Let me see. We give it a few minutes.
2: It's, you know, etiquette, isn't
1: it? It is. You're right. It's polite. See? You're right. It's polite.
2: Perfect.
1: Can we do a cheers. The glasses off. Cheers. To detach retinas. <laughs> cheers.
2: Are you happy?
1: I think that money buys freedom, and freedom buys happiness. Yeah. I think that the rich people of the world, the number one most intelligent thing they did was convince poor people that money isn't happiness, and I think they did that to prevent revolts. I'm not saying money is the only thing that can make someone happy. I'm not saying money alone will make you happy, but money is certainly a factor to to happiness.
2: Yeah.
1: It's kind of yeah, you agree, right? It's like water. Right? Water won't make you happy, but if you have no water, after a week, you need water. It's all you think about, right? It's the same deal. You can't go without it. So the rich people always say, money doesn't buy happiness, but do they ever give their money away?
2: Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So so you give your money away.
1: I have a charity, which I own, which takes care of street dogs in Romania.
0: And that's the message of Andrew Tate, an objectively male-centric view of the world, a prejudice against women in general, an unchecked and inflated sense of self. None of these objectively make the world a better place for men or women. This type of worldview, whether we take it at face value or somehow distinguish between Tate the man and Tate the character, only reiterates and reinforces an ingrained worldview held and perpetuated by repressive societies. The irony is that Tate appears in many interviews with multiple women who seem to add legitimacy to his worldview. After all, women wouldn't be around a man who was so toxic and hateful towards women, would they? Well, they would if they were being paid. And that brings us back to Tate the character, the foam-headed mascot selling a cartoon, uber-masculine world. That character needs props to sell the whole package. Women, cars, watches, cigars, clothes. Tate adorns himself with visual aids to emphasize that what he says, how he lives, how he sees the world, is validated by the success he puts on display. But remember that this is the man who moved to Romania because it's easier to get away with rape, who is under investigation for human trafficking and abuse. We don't know the truth about Andrew Tate because it's all smoke and mirrors. Is he really worth $300 million? Maybe. Maybe it's the kind of inflated wealth that other self-obsessed personalities lie about. We at least know the language is the same. My view of Andrew Tate as a completely underwhelming specimen of manhood makes this next part incredibly difficult to say. Andrew Tate sucks, but should he be banned from social media? No. Not only is it hypocritical to rejoice in the deplatforming of a man whose opinions I find disgusting, while at the very same time politicians are going batshit crazy with book bannings, but it's also deeply antithetical to my entire belief system. Horrible, stupid, horribly stupid, and misinformed and misogynistic characters still have the very basic right to free speech. Of course, that's freedom of speech from state censorship. As private corporations, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, they can deny services and platforms to anyone. The freedom of speech is not freedom to be heard, a common misunderstanding or perversion of that right. Rather, the freedom of speech is the freedom to be openly criticized or outright ignored. If we live in a society so fragile that the ignorant ramblings of an obvious moron threaten to undermine our vague sense of right and wrong, that we can't talk openly with our children and other adults about how talking or behaving like Andrew Tate will result in 99.99% of men being left single and bitter and alone or worse, abusive, then what the fuck right do we have to maintain society in the first place? If you're a parent and your kid is listening to Andrew Tate and repeating what he says, guess what? You get to do the hard thing and explain that, no, actually, good people don't sound like that. Good people don't think like that, and they don't treat women like that. They don't talk that way about homosexuals and transgender people. And if you're a kid, a young man, listening to Andrew Tate and me, man you got some fucked up algorithms but seriously the adult world that andrew tate describes doesn't really exist or rather it does exist but it also carries with it an unhealthy level of resentment distrust and unhappiness why you'd want to live that way i have no idea if you're a real hustler you hustle for money and you're real at home you don't hustle your partner for power or pride you're a team but an online personality can't teach you how to be a good dude. He's just hustling for likes because that's how he makes money. And nothing he says is real. So where does that leave us? A horribly stupid man with a massive online following, a shitload of money, objectionable views, and an adolescent sense of homophobic and sexist humor? Well, if you're wondering if Hustlers University is worth the time and money, there are plenty of online reviewers who say no. There's nothing that you can't get for free, literally anywhere else on the internet. If you're wondering why so many people hate Andrew Tate, enough for many online personalities to gleefully dunk on his deplatforming, then odds are good I haven't convinced you that Tate is worth hating. But that wasn't my goal from the start. Full disclosure, this episode wasn't my idea. This episode was my daughter's idea. You've heard from her in previous episodes, and her interest in Andrew Tate comes from the way she and her friends communicate, their phones. Kids communicate via memes and videos they identify with their peers based on the content they consume. This isn't new, but the media is. But suffice it to say that my daughter's content environment had become infiltrated with Andrew Tate videos, shared by friends encouraged by algorithms, and her concern about Tate's content was somewhat confused and vague. He's homophobic, he's overcompensating, but it's hard to pinpoint why he sounds so gross. But that's the feeling a lot of kids get when they hear him speak. In this episode, I wanted to understand what that gross feeling was. I wanted to help articulate why these ideas can be tricky to pick apart, why it's hard for some people to articulate exactly what's wrong with Andrew Tate. I did it for my daughter because this is the reality of the world. She will inevitably encounter men and women who see the world as Tate does, and it's incredibly empowering to have someone say, nah, that's not okay, and this is why it's not okay. It's empowering to see patterns, to criticize, and to articulate. It's empowering to put words to feelings of apprehension and disgust. It's empowering to say, no, I don't see the world that way. People listen to Andrew Tate because he's entertaining. Like the little disclaimer on his website that scammed lonely men out of money, all of Tate's bluster and bravado is worth little more than the laughs some people get out of it. It just isn't worth much. This has been Unfuck the Poor. There's a lot of news in the world lately. Are we going to nuclear war? What is a special master? And why did Trump request one? Hurricanes are going crazy. Republicans are suing the government for trying to cancel student debt. And right-wing weirdos have been attacking children's hospitals because they love children. We're doing our best to sort through the white noise and bring you meaningful episodes that give you something to think about. We admit, this episode was a weird one. We'll catch you on the next one.